attention. <laughs> I was lying in bed last night thinking about that. Like, Chick-fil-A is a thing to do around here. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Just look right at me. Right here. Bring it in. You're going to be fine. You're not even going to pay attention to any of it. <laughs> Those birds. Carissa and I were like in the in the greatest part of our podcast. And I didn't stop because we were really connect we were like really like driving home this wonderful point in her podcast and they were like <laughs> Slate it up, guys. Action. Okay. Hi, welcome to the longest war. On this episode we have Blair Mickles. Hi. She's hi Blair. You uh she's an army veteran. So um again. Okay. All right. So, uh, welcome to The Longest War. I'm Lauren Del Ritchie. I'm new with the Veterans Breakfast Club. Is there anything that maybe you're thinking right now, you know, anything? And I just appreciate your strength and your dedication to our mission in general here in Pittsburgh. Oh, and I thank you very much. I really appreciate what you're doing. And I think, like I said, I think the Veteran Breakfast Club is just, it, it's a wonderful, 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 wonderful thing. It's helped me come a long way. And I would definitely encourage anybody that hasn't come out to any of the events to give it a try. Come out, listen, when you're comfortable, share. I mean, it's the only way to get the civilians and the veterans that are coming back and to get everybody to actually start understanding each other. We healing, want to be understood. Healing through storytelling. That's our thing, right? Absolutely. Happy to have with me Blair Mickles, U.S. Army veteran. Hi, Blair. Hey, Lauren. How you doing? I am doing wonderful. You look today. lovely today. Thank you. Thanks for bringing your A game. <laughs> oh, I bring it everywhere I go. <laughs> so I want to have a little fun with you today, kind of keep it light, and talk about your experience in the Army. Um, I know because you're my personal friend that you have a great sense of humor. So my goal today is just to laugh, keep it light, and hear all about your adventures in the Army. So let's go back in time, get into the flux capacitor, right? And jump back in time a little. Take me to young Blair and where your mind was when you decided to join the military. Why'd you choose the army? You know, what led you to that decision? Well, to be quite honest, actually, if you had asked me maybe a month before I joined the military, if I would even consider the military, the answer probably would have been no. But I actually was falling asleep to CNN one night you know, this was after September 11th, all the wars going on. This was in 2003. And I don't know if it was subliminal or what, but I woke up one morning and decided, hey, I want to go to Iraq. So I woke up one morning, went to work and decided that I was going to go visit a army recruiter. And, and how old were you then? I was actually in my early 20s okay. at that point. So I was a little bit over 18. So I still had a little bit of impulsiveness left in my system. Right, of course. So you wanted to go overseas. You wanted to deploy. So that's what led you to the Army? It it, it did, absolutely. Right. And what did the recruiters have to say when young Blair showed up at their doorstep? They rubbed their hands together a little like, ha fresh meat. They did a little bit. I mean, I... I'm a pretty headstrong person, and once I make my mind up to do something, I'm pretty pretty much full steam ahead. I actually did fire my first recruiter because he was trying to blow you know, steam up my derriere, and I was <laughs> not really having it. So I said, look, I already know what I want to do. I don't want your lies. Give me somebody that's going to just put me in. I already know what I want to do. Let's go for it. And what was that? What, what was it? Well, considering I am also a firefighter in the real world, too, I uh, told them that I wanted to be a firefighter, a truck driver, or a linguist. So because 
firefighters are primarily in the Navy. It's really hard to be an Army firefighter. To be a linguist, it requires a whole lot of testing and background checks and top secret clearance, which eventually, just for the record, I did end up getting into DLI for Arabic, but we can talk about that later. Okay. So being that I was also driving commercially at the time, I did end up going into the Army as a truck driver. So yes, I got what I wanted. Good. You went in with a goal, and, and that's pretty amazing, considering the stories I've heard about recruiters. You go in saying, I want to be Santa Claus, and they're, they, you know, they're going to they're gonna say, nope, he doesn't exist, right? So we'll on to our next thing. I was actually kind of dissuaded. They were saying, well, you know what? Why don't you work an admin or medical? Or, and I said, no, I want right. to be a truck driver. <laughs> I want to drive the big trucks and go into Afghanistan or go into Iraq, Right. which I actually never made it into Iraq, but I did make it into Afghanistan. Okay, so before we go there, let's. I want to stop at boot camp. I want to see if there's anything in boot camp that was super memorable for you. I mean, of course, it's stuck. You had to get up really early and you had to do a lot of PT. But other than the normal stuff, what do you remember most from boot camp? Boot camp was actually pretty tough for a lot of people. But like I said, I had a really interesting upbringing and you know, being a firefighter and stuff like that. So I kind of had some discipline. I already had a little bit of that, but. Uh, Probably my favorite moment was, um, I'm a weirdo. I really enjoyed the room inspections and stuff like that. Okay. I do remember one time, I think I accidentally set one of my poor little drill sergeants over the edge a little bit. He um, apparently, I guess he doesn't really support the blue like I do. You know, with my dad being a retired police officer and everything, I, you know, had his picture in my wall locker. Totally legal. Totally your father's allowed. picture in uniform in my, your wall My father's locker. picture in okay. uniform and apparently that set off the drill sergeant so it ended up wall lockers flying around the room. One of the bunk beds ended up getting warped pretty badly. They had to replace it. Causing trouble Blair. <laughs> oh I mean well I, I was able to maintain my military bearing and not laugh during the whole episode but our whole barracks got trashed that day because drill sergeant was not happy about police and you know. Were you the favorite that day? Because I'm sure you guys had to clean up his mess, right? After he threw his fit. <laughs> oh, I was the favorite for a long time. Special case. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right, so you made it through boot camp, though, right? With only minor damages, let's say. Oh, minor damages and fun memories. And where did you go to boot camp? Like, what state was that in? Um, I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. So you finish up, was it 12 weeks basic training? Was it around... Eight or 12 weeks. I think mine was 12. To be honest, I can't even remember can't how remember. long it was. So it was couple, a couple weeks in, in Missouri. And then what, what was the next step for you? Where did you go? And then I stayed in Missouri for advanced individual training, a.k.a. AIT, as we call it in the Army. And that was also in Missouri. I meant Missouri. <laughs> I almost slipped and said Missouri, too. I think that's a good uh, nickname for Missouri, right? So how, how long was AIT? AIT was actually only uh, six weeks. So you got your advanced training. Where was your first base? Where was you, where were you stationed after that? Did you go right to Iraq? Oh, they shipped me off to Germany. Germany? Oh, yeah. Did yes. you want to go there? Did you put it on, like, in the Navy, we had, like, a wish list type of deal? Was that on your radar? Germany was definitely a preference. And actually, only three people out of my unit were sent to Germany, myself being one of them. And uh, I... Did not anticipate it, but I was beyond thrilled. And you spent, what'd you say, six years in Germany altogether? Off and on, correct. Oh, man. 
I, I, I have family in Germany. Um, you know, my father was actually born there. So I'm really interested to hear a few of your German, uh, Germany stories. So we're going to go, we're going to do a high and low, right? Best, craziest, most fun memory from Germany. And then on the other side of the scale. So you can choose which one you want to do first. Well, I will say, even though I was a little bit older when I first joined the Army, I was um, not really into drinking or smoking cigarettes or, you know, all of those other things that most people attribute to soldiers. But I will say the first time in my life I ever got drunk was at Oktoberfest in Munich, Germany. And that was off of two beers, which more realistically, it was a beer and a half. Right. Well, if there was ever a first place to consume your first alcoholic beverage, it does Oktoberfest in Germany does not sound too shabby. What, what do you remember from that from that night? Oh, I remember we were it. I don't think it ever ended. Matter of fact, it's probably still going <laughs> it's still on. Still going on. <laughs> Goodness gracious. We most vehicles in Germany, even in that time, were sticks. Mm-hmm. And we did have a DD because we were responsible and our designated driver did not necessarily know how to drive a stick. So I do remember after getting drunk that that was not the most pleasurable ride. <laughs> Probably in uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but the DD should know how to drive the vehicle that they're supposed to drive, right? <laughs> we gave her a crash course previously, but I mean, she managed to get us back in one piece, but- That's good. I might need to follow VA claim. We might all need to follow VA claim for that whiplash though. <laughs> All right, so you're in Germany, you're a truck driver, right? That was your job? Yes, it was. How how did that transition into you getting to deploy to Afghanistan? When did those orders come down the pike? Those orders actually came years later in another unit out of Germany because I had actually wanted to deploy because that was the whole reason I joined the Army. Right. So I actually had... I was in USER at the time, and I requested to go over to 5th Corps because 5th Corps was deploying. So a few months before they deployed, I went over to 5th Corps, got trained up, and got my orders to go to Afghanistan. How long was your deployment? I was there from 09 to, oh, oh, 09 to 2009 to 2010. So somewhere around a year? Co- correct. Did that a little time under go by fast? Parts of it went by really fast, but the parts where you're working 12-hour night shifts. Those tend to drag by a little more. Tend to feel like an eternity. Right. So you left Germany after six years there. And were you with any of the same people that you served with in Germany? It was total a total different unit. Actually, when I left Germany, I left Germany and went back to the trade-off environment, back to training, because at that point, that's when I was training to become a linguist. So I went from Germany to, you know, Germany where you're covered in snow, you know, digging out of snow to, uh, you know, kind of a kind of mildly beautiful place, Monterey, California. That's where linguist school was? Uh, Correct. Uh, DLI, Defense Language Institute, is in Monterey, California. So I went straight from Germany to DLI. And I left a snowstorm and went into an Indian summer, literally, in October. Wow. Wow. Because it's summertime in Monterey in October. So that was... um, So then, what I I learned last night you speak French as well. So what... Uh, Je parle pas français, oui. Oh, je parle français. Oui, oui, mademoiselle. (laughs) Oh, chanter avec moi. That's sing. Would you like to sing with me? 
I know I'm going to pass. Oh, okay. (laughs) But thank you for the offer. (laughs) I had like two years of high school French. So that's where that came from. Um, But did you have to learn the language native to where you were deploying to? What was the, I know you said going in, you had your sights set on being a linguist, but like, what did you learn? Did you learn, I guess it's Farsi? Oh, no. Uh, The language I went to DLI for was actually Arabic. Okay. Correct. And so you're fluent in that as well? Still? Um, (laughs) No, not fluent. fluent, Not at all. (laughs) But did it, did it come in handy? Obviously it came in handy when you were deployed. Well, it was after I deployed, so I oh. never really... Maybe it should have been the other way around, right? <laughs> never yeah. really um, got to utilize it yet. Right. But who knows? Then again, with um, you know some of the other things that are going on, who knows, I might have a chance to use it, especially working with some of the populations and right. organizations that I do here within the Pittsburgh er- the greater Pittsburgh area. With the mission continues, we have a new third platoon coming up who's going to help the refugee and immigrant population. So it might come in handy oh, absolutely. in your second life, right? I am already on board with um, Justin and I'll be helping him with that platoon and so forth. So I'm excited to be able to use that and the knowledge of the other languages and cultural knowledge and everything that right. I've acquired throughout my travels and studies and Right, because you're going to be going back to school studying. But before we get into that, because I, I definitely want to know all about that. But so we're in, so we're in Afghanistan. What year? You said 2009 and 10, right? So it's not super early on, like right in the initial invasion of Fallujah in 03 and all that. We're we're past those years. So what what did that dynamic look like for you? Were you doing patrols? Were you on IED patrols with your truck? Like what were you basically doing over there? Um, I worked for the International Joint Command IJC. Um, we we carted personnel around to and from the green zone and like high-ranking officials correct you had a lot of security there's a lot of security around you at all times oh we were our own security you were your we own security. just went with little two vehicles at a time so we you kind of tried to fly under the radar i guess correct. you didn't want to advertise that you had we tried to blend in as much as possible we drove vehicles similar to what they were driving even though i uh didn't necessarily like the up armoring of some of the land cruisers. It was a little sad one day when I was fueling up and shut the door and the, the window fell out. Oh, here. That was after we got back, though. That would be a little nerve wracking. I was a little upset. <laughs> I would think like you had bulletproof. It was bulletproof. Oh, but it just fell out. It just shattered. Top of the line equipment. I'm glad to know that our soldiers over there <laughs> definitely have top of the line stuff. That's a, that's unfortunate. All right. So you left Afghanistan in 2010. Correct. You said. And then what happened? You go back to Missouri or Missouri or California? Where'd you go? I, I deployed from Germany. So I went back to Germany okay. and that was prior to going to language school. When you went back, do you feel like you fit in again? Like, did you feel like, oh, I'm back, you know, to your comfort zone? I know we've talked previously about that. So it's kind of a leading question, but I, I know you, you said you maybe didn't fit in. I've actually, unfortunately, never really felt like I ever really fit in, per se. You were a sergeant, right? You were NCO, a non-commissioned officer, as I understand. Is that true? Uh, That is. Okay. Because I was Navy. So forgive me with these Army terms. I'm trying to figure it all out as I go along. So explain to me what it was like becoming an NCO, because I'm not sure what that's like. I know you had a lot of responsibility with that, right? Oh, absolutely. Obviously, The mission is first, obviously, but we also do take care of our soldiers. And for me, I took that part of my role very seriously. I definitely lived by the NCO creed. I definitely 
look out for the welfare of my soldiers. I did. I placed that in high regard. I took care of all soldiers, not just my own. How many did? You, how many soldiers were under your command? It varied anywhere from two to ten. Oh, okay. I was just like two hundred. I didn't know. I didn't have like a benchmark of how many. I wasn't that high up. <laughs> okay, all right. They didn't trust me. Maybe like that. an E six. Is that is that the rank that you become an NCO at? Uh, E five, unless you're a corporal, which you can pick it up at E four. But okay. it's a split. It's it's complicated. I got you. So you have to you have to break it down for the dumb Navy girl. Sorry. Oh no no no! It's okay. <laughs> Everybody in the Navy's not dumb. Yeah. <laughs> We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. If you join the Army, you'll get an education unlike any other. Every single day, people will try and kill you. That'll teach you lessons you'll never learn in school. Improvised explosive devices, snipers, suicide bombers. That's why there's never been a better time to enlist (laughs) in the Navy. Oh, yeah. Now, back to our show. Talk to me a little bit about... You know, we, we talked about Afghanistan. Obviously, you made it out unscathed, right? You stuck to your mission. You did what you had to do. You drove around these these high-ranking officials. You get back to Germany, or you go to linguist school, get back to Germany. How many, so then that was, what, six, seven, eight, seven or eight years of your service. What about the remainder of those years? Where did you spend those years? Did you just spend the, the rest of the time in Germany? Well, I went from Germany to South Korea, okay, to so. Germany, to California, and then I was there until 2013, no, mm-hmm. 2014. And then I went to Fort Benning, which is where I was separated. Okay, Fort Benning, that was your last duty station. Correct. What made you decide to get out of the army? It actually was not my decision. I was medically retired from the army or, um, you know, things don't always go as planned. Right, no, I, I, I had a bumpy road out myself. You know, I've shared on a previous podcast, um, but you did 11 years, you did a lot longer than I did. <laughs> so, um, and you're from Pittsburgh, right? You're a native of Pittsburgh? I am. So you have family here, so you came back to your friends and loved ones? Well, I'm from here. I grew up. <laughs> Those birds. <laughs> I spent many of my formulative years in South Carolina, so that's where I've acquired, you know, a little bit of the Southern twang in my voice. I didn't hear it. Your voice sounds very controlled. Oh. I, I haven't heard any twang. I heard some French. Oh. Some French. <laughs> Okay, well, if you want, I'll go ahead and talk like a Southern page. <laughs> oh, you just sound delightful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you come home. Um, I know you have plans to study psychology, right? Absolutely. In the future. Um, but the way I met you, just as the way I met Carissa, we talked about it in our last podcast, was through The Mission Continues. Oh, absolutely. You moved around a lot in the Army. Um, you said that kind of square peg, round hole. You know, you, you were very independent. You took care of your soldiers. Um, you did what you had to do, but there was never a fit. I know with the mission continues, I just fit in right away. I, I just want to talk about this because I think it's really important for other veterans who are the post 9-11 era, who are coming back and who have come back, who maybe haven't engaged yet with the veteran community because they're over it or they're sick of it or they never fit in they never think they will. I think it brings a little beacon of hope hearing what you had told me previously. So you fit in with us, right? Me and Chris said it was like a natural, like kind of an immediate bond that we had. And I felt the same way with you. It is. I mean, I honestly can't. It's out of all the languages I speak, there's literally not a single word I can find that will describe the feeling of 
finally feeling like I, it's like I was this puzzle piece that would go here, like, nope, not a fit, not a fit, not a fit, not a fit. And boom, I finally fit into something. Man. And it's just, it, it's just amazing. I would, I honestly can't sing its crazes enough. It's. Right. And it's not even just the females, right? Like <laughs> oh, we no, have this I... like lovely little group that we call our, the misfits, right? <laughs> We don't have to be afraid. We can admit it. You know, um, we're all really different, unique in our own way. Um, oh, there really yes. is just something that with this crew that we've acquired, um, this core crew in Pittsburgh here who are invested in the veteran sphere and really pushing forward. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, what I like about it, too, is we are all different. We all do have our quirks. <laughs> you know, some of us have issues physically. Some of us have issues mentally. Some of us have no issues well, that's debatable. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just weird that we can all come together from all different branches, you know, different eras, different age brackets, different backgrounds, you know, male, female, black, white, Asian. You We're know, all over the map. It, it's just. What do you think that is? That kind of makes us feel so comfortable together. Why do you think all, why do you think, why now? Why through the mission continues? Why Pittsburgh? Why not, you know, before in Germany, why didn't, you know, what, I, I just, what is that, that component? What do you think that is? I wonder about that, you know? You know, I wonder too. I mean, perhaps, well, everybody joins the military for different reasons, whether it be some join for college, some join for change, some join because they want to go and shoot big guns. <laughs> I've heard that. Just be honest. Yeah. Some, you know, everybody has individual reasons. And I think too, with the military, there is a little bit of, a little bit of financial stability and so forth tied to it. But with the mission continues, it's strictly, you know, it's volunteer. Mm -hmm. Whatever you get out of it, what you put into it, it's not monetary. So you're getting a personal satisfaction out of it. So I think by being willing to come out and give up your Saturdays to go and get knee deep in mud, <laughs> rehabbing a house or yeah. doing whatever the project may be for whatever project you're on that particular day. I think we're all kind of coming together for a common cause. We're all coming together to kind of continue giving back. We all have this need to give. So when we all come together and give what we can, how we can, I think it just resonates through all of us and just kind of connects us all together. I, th I think it, it's almost like that extension of military service. Um, I was listening to one of one of the guys, you know, in our crew, and he was saying, you know, don't thank me for my service. I'm still serving, even though I'm not wearing a uniform anymore. Right. We're we're setting that example to serve in our community. Um, and honestly, I, I didn't think I'd drink the Kool-Aid as much as I did. I'm, <laughs> I'm not only, you know, involved in, in the service, in the service platoons, but now I'm a Mission Continues fellow serving with the nonprofit of Veterans Breakfast Club. I just got back from my orientation, which I can't wait for you to go because you're going to be just like Chris, you're going to be in Delta class, right? Oh, yes, which I am. I am ecstatic about. I am so excited. I cannot wait. Right. And then you go from giving up your Saturdays to, you know, get get dirty with your fellow veterans to you're on a structured paid fellowship and they're and, you know, they're providing some financial security on top of bringing you together with this new unit. I mean, the warm and fuzzy was just so warm and fuzzy this last weekend in Boston at my orientation. I'm just really excited for you to experience that. I think it's going to be great for you. 
and I know this is a podcast and everything, but um, I think I sound trustworthy enough that hopefully the listeners can believe me when I tell you, Lauren, you are still glowing from coming back from your warm, fuzzy weekend. <laughs> Man, it was really great. And, and the unique, thank you for that, but the unique part, and I don't mean to say this in any way, but what it is, it's like the majority of the staff at Mission Continues are not veterans. And I didn't, I didn't expect that. You know, because what we do here is very veteran centric. And of course, we engage the civilian population at our events and, you know, at the service projects. But the majority of the people that I met there, they had their own unique stories. Some heart, heart you know, some broke my heart and and just like watching their strength and stuff. Um, but that was a surprise for me, you know, and I just that just makes them an even more unique and special organization. So I'm really happy that we met through the mission continues. Um, I want to thank you for sharing a little bit about your story today. We're we're pushing up on the end here. Is there anything that maybe you're thinking right now? Like, man, I wish I would have said that. I wish I would have told her this about my service or anything else you want to share with us, whether it's, you know, active duty or anything. I think I really don't have too much more <laughs> to say, but I really do appreciate this opportunity and being able to share just a little glimpse, you know, of me, I guess. I've, I appreciate you coming. <laughs> I know that this isn't easy and I just appreciate your strength and your dedication to our mission in general here in Pittsburgh. So thanks, Blair. Oh, and I thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Longest War. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app.